Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Now, let's welcome today's guest, Gerald Leonard. How are you? I'm good, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's an honor to have you on our show, and I'm sure people will understand why as you tell us uh, part of your story. Sure, it's definitely will. Well, Dan, you know, I started out and with my story was basically as a musician. I went to college for um, classical and jazz music for my bachelor's and my master's. Um, spent a year up in New York, uh, actually studied through the masculine music, but slipping down to Juilliard and taking bass lessons with a gentleman named David Walter. And at that time, I started playing a lot in New York City, but I was also doing some ministry things and eventually did some more ministry than music, but I kept doing both. And about seven or eight years after that, I decided I really wanted to go back full-time into music and just, you know, playing and performing, but I was married with two kids. So what I decided to do was get into IT at the time when you could, if you could spell IT, you could get in. (laughs) And so because I had so much leadership training and I was still a, you know, performing as a professional musician, um, I was able to get in and really get some great training and, and skills, and it started my journey. And I, you know, I had already had my master's degree, so I didn't want really to go back to school and get another master's or so on. But what I realized was going after certifications opened the door. And so I was going down the road of becoming a business consultant, but playing as a professional musician at the same time. And that's when I began to learn a lot of the things that led to me writing my two books that um, that I learned as I watched playing in a band and how musicians work together and then working on small teams or project teams and watching how business teams work together and seeing this that there was a synchronization of process that was happening and good project teams on the business side were much more like jazz bands than a jazz band was. And, and so... By, by experiencing that, it really kind of began to foster these ideas of some of the concepts I've come up with later on in my life as a consultant and thought leader and author. How has being a musician helped you as a writer? You know, as a musician, when you're trained, one, you learn to listen. So, so you spend a lot of time by yourself when you first start off practicing. And you watch other musicians uh, who are really good, who are much better than you are. And, and in fact, what you end up doing as a musician is you end up mimicking other really good musicians. You know, you, I learned the bass lines of all the bass players that were playing. Uh, I grew up at a time where in Lakeland, Florida, the Lakeland Civic Center had come along, and all of the big bands, all of the, 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 the top um, talent was coming through. So I got to go, as a kid, I got to go see all of these great musicians. So I got so inspired. Well, as a writer, what I realized was, you know, I didn't start off with the greatest literary skills because that wasn't my forte in college. That wasn't my forte in business. I learned to write and do what I needed to do to, you know, kind of, you know, write a memo, write an email, and so on and so forth. 
So what I started doing was mimicking really good writers. And I joined AWAI, the American Writers uh, Association, and one of the things they talked about was this concept of copy work. Then I realized that Benjamin Franklin did copy work. And what that was, was finding articles, finding sales letters, finding magazine articles, finding books or novels, where you really like the way the writer wrote. And so you take out a long form, you know, notepad and a long uh, paper and pencil, and you literally just copy what they wrote. Now, you're not going to use it, and you're not going to publish it, but you're just writing what they wrote to get inside their head. How did they write a sentence? How did they write a paragraph? How did they punctuate? And what I realized was that it put me in a meditative state, and so I still do it to this day. And I spend sometimes 15 minutes or 30 minutes before I get into a writing session for myself, I'll find a really good article, and I'll copy work that article just to kind of get into the flow of really good writing. And then I'll start working on my writing, but I notice that it puts me in a different mindset, and I understand the syntax better or grammar better or the flow or the conversational style better by using the concepts I learned as a musician, which is copy really good artists, learn the language, and then make it your own. I love it. I actually did that in college. Before I'd write a paper, I would read Hemingway or Steinbeck, and then I'd sort of imitate their writing without realizing. I did realize I was imitating their writing. You know? It was clearly exactly. on purpose, and here it comes full circle. That That's so cool. Um, yeah. Well, that, that is neat. You know, that is not a question I've asked anyone else before, and that is the most unique answer uh, I've heard. So that's, that's very cool. You know, let's talk about the title of your book for a second, because yep. people ask me all the time, how can I create a great title for my book? And I worked with some of my clients, and we said, you know, what are your hobbies? And we've come right. up with, with working titles and their hobbies based on that. You know, one woman I, I helped, uh, she wrote a book about how nonprofit corporations can hire new board members. Not exactly the most exciting title in the world. So I said, right. what do you like to do? And she said, I'd love to dance. And she had a title that uh, basically said, you know, the corporate board tango. I lead, you follow, we make beautiful music together. Which uh, got her, and it was kind of neat too, because all of her chapters had something to do with performance, the audition, the tryout, you know, the uh, opening night, the cast party, yes, <laughs> and it really worked. Uh, and you have workplace jazz exactly. as the name of yours. So tell us about the origin of how you came up with that title, and how did you integrate it throughout the book? If you did, yeah. So the title, the working title, started off as "Building a Symphonic Company Culture." Mm -hmm. Really different than workplace jazz. <laughs> <laughs> So here's what I learned as a writer, you know, because, you know, I'm still, I feel like I'm still new to this game after, even though I have two books and they're doing pretty well. I feel like I'm, I'm still a novice in really learning. So, again, as a jazz musician, what do you do as a novice? You go find teachers, you go find a coach, you find someone who's been there, done that, who it's more like a tour guide who can take you along with them. And so by having coaches and other writers in my life, I was able to socialize that idea. And they 
looked at and said, well, you know, you're this bass player, or you're this, or you're a jazz musician, and we were bounced around ideas, I would even go to conferences, and I remember going to a Brandon Burchard conference, and you know, you have little breakout groups, and I'd share my ideas there, but for workplace jazz, um, after I wrote my first book, working with a group of, of coaches, I ended up getting found and working with a literary agent, uh, John Willing, up in New York. And John and I, I sent him four chapters of the book I had written, um, Building a Symphonic Company Culture. And he loved the book. And the first thing he said was, you know, what do you think about workplace jazz? Hmm. And I said, okay, I like it. <laughs> and so he explained his concept. He was like, he's thinking about my background because he had done his research. And so it wasn't a title that I came up with myself. Just like you said, you helped someone come up with a title. I don't think any of us can come up with titles by ourselves. Because we don't, because if, uh, put it, well, Willie Jolly, I'm sure you know Willie Jolly. Oh, yeah. Willie Jolly would say, if you're in the, if you're in the picture, if you're in the frame, you can't see the picture. (laughs) Yeah, Willie's great. (laughs) You can't see the picture if you're in the frame. So you need someone else who's outside of the frame to come and tell you what they see. And basically, even my first book, uh, Culture is the Base, that was, a lot of those ideas were given to me by Willie and D. Jolly, going to a workshop with them. And so I learned the value of having experts around me to look into my life and share what they see. Because even though I'm inside the frame and I'm living this life, I don't always see the value I'm bringing to the table. And sometimes you need someone else who is looking on from the outside in to get help you find the value that you're bringing and what makes it work. And then, and obviously, shopping it around, socializing it around, talking to other people about it, and people love that title. Yeah, it's it's a great title. Do you carry that that theme through at all in your book? I carry it through the whole entire book, and it, so basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the concepts I learned from a coach like yourself was something called a manuscript grid. And I had never done this to my first book. And basically the concept of a manuscript grid was you create a table, like a word table, and each column of that table is like your chapter. And then you basically lay out what are you going to have in your chapter, and then you ask yourself, are there things that are make my book mediagenic in my chapter? Are there things that are going to make my book, um, are there great stories in my book? Do the stories connect? Uh, is there themes that cross each chapter? Are there concepts? And so the concepts that cross each chapter in my book was each of the, frame, each of the steps in my framework, I talk about the neuroscience of, whether it's a neuroscience of practice, the neuroscience of the vision, the neuroscience of getting feedback, the neuroscience of supporting it. So that became a theme throughout the book. Um, The theme of jazz, I use jazz musicians, you know, and their stories that fit each one of my steps, as well as business consultants who are musicians. So all the stories had musical flair. I was working with Donald Robertson, who's the Grammy-named producer, who had spent uh, 10 years on the road with Grover Washington Jr. He gave me a story that's in the book that basically covers like five things about Grover Washington Jr. that he was as, as a coach because he, he was such a warm coaching kind of person 
that he, you know, just kind of laid out his experience. And so the, that process of the manuscript grid really allowed me to look at my book as a big picture without writing a lot of material to make sure that it flowed and it was connected throughout. And I learned that process from a lady named Ann McAdoo. I love that. You know, in my book, I teach people about the 10 different things they can have in a chapter from stories and case studies and statistics and charts yep. and graphs and whatever. Uh, but I hadn't thought about laying it out in a visual pattern like a grid so we could see what's missing or what's there. Exactly. And I, and I also love the idea. I'm a PR person, right? I had not right. thought of the idea of like what is mediagenic in each of these chapters. So, Wow. That's a great takeaway for me. Yeah, I, mean, I in, love in fact, that. In, fact, in, my, in my book, <laughs> besides Global Washington, one of the things I did is I, I, I included a, chapter, a story that I had written and done a lot of research on, on Hans Zimmer. Well, Hans Zimmer is a movie composer. He's like, I mean, all of the movies in the last 20 years, the, the ones that are blockbusters, he's the music composer for. Well, I did a, whole re I did a lot of research on his team building activity and how he pulls musicians together and how he executes developing a score for a film. And that's like the last chapter. That's the story, the musical story for the last chapter. So again, having, you know, just, just, you know, heavyweights like himself and others who are well known in the jazz um, uh, theater um, as stories in the book, it allows me to kind of share those stories, but it also makes it where people are really interested. Cause I know I love when I read a book, I love learning about new people. I love learning. I love learning their story, and how it applies to what I'm learning. Yeah, you know, um, I'm wondering how how have you found your prospects and your clients relating to the whole idea of jazz? Do some people get it and some people not get it? So you have the people who immediately work with, or does everyone just sort of gravitate everyone toward this? Everyone that I've talked to who, who have, you know looked at the book, reviewed the book, they love it. I've gotten, mm -hmm. I've gotten endorsements from Brian Tracy, huh. from Daniel Burris, mm -hmm. from Jim Cathcart, from Shep Hyken, from uh, Carl Pritchard. I mean, some of the best people in their industries are saying, we love what you've done in this book because it's conversational. Mm -hmm. It has the neuroscience. There are processes. My publishing editor was a college professor in project management. And so... Um, I made sure, Business Expert Press, I made sure that it had assessment questions so it could be used in a university setting. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of covers the right brain and left brain, but the con but and, and it, I've made it, the goal was to make the book accessible. So you didn't have to feel like you needed to be a jazz theorist to understand it. <laughs> you just had to be someone who's gone to a concert. And if you've gone to any concert and you understand, you know, played any kind of musical instrument, which most people have, in, in high school or elementary, you get the concepts. Right. Um, you, how else are you using the book to create other products or services or learning tools that people can buy? Right, so I'm building a training course uh, because what I want to do is also make the material experiential. Instead of just kind of reading through it and you get a couple of worksheets, I want you to have some videos and some uh, process guides, some, some facilitators guides that you can learn these principles from a tangible standpoint and see immediate results. That's how I wrote both of my books so that you get immediate results from the book. 
and then the courses are going to take them much deeper. And then I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to to hire two course development teams that are taking the heavy lifting off of me, and they uh, have expertise in building like really well designed courses and and so on. So that I'm working with uh, some of the best in the business in that area to to help build my courses. Fantastic. This has been fascinating, Gerald. Tell us who your perfect client is and how can they get in touch with you? Well, my perfect client are really a, they're a large uh, federal, state, and multinational organizations that have project management offices where they have a ton of things going on. One of my clients right now has like a $25 billion budget of road construction projects and we've been able to, as an advisor, streamline their process to be able to manage that across the state and drill in through all that data and find the projects that they need to focus on. Because when you get to that point, you really have to have processes and procedures in place to focus in on the critical things to make things happen. But you also have to make sure that you are bringing everyone together in a, I would say, a workplace jazz culture to where people are working together in a jazz fashion, give, take, there's this ebb and flow, and really moving things along because business is moving at the speed of sound at this point. Fantastic. And what is your website? The website is www.workplace-jazz.com. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.